Hey, what's up, football fans? Welcome to episode 32 of the DKB Footy Show. It's been a while. I had to take a bit of a break because I just had so much shit going on in my life. But sorry about that. Sorry I haven't been able to update any more episodes over the past few weeks. But hey, I'm back again today. And I am here for a special Champions League edition. Because as we all know, the Champions League round of 16 has had been played over the past two weeks and all the first legs have been played and we've got a week's break to catch our breaths after all of that action that took place before the the second round or the second legs start off next week. So it's only fitting that I do talk about the Champions League results from the past few weeks and I think there is no better place to start than Manchester United being defeated, convincingly defeated, I might add, at Old Trafford by an injury-ravaged PSG side. PSG opened the scoring. Well, PSG got goals from Kimpembe through a set-piece in the 53rd minute and Kylian Mbappe, who doubled the lead not too long after in the 60th minute, and then Paul Pogba, was shown a red card in the 89th minute. But let's just talk about the way the whole game went because this was definitely a reality check for Manchester United. 100% a reality check. As a United fan, I will not lie, I was really, really disappointed. Not so much for the results, but more for the performances. The first half, I would say, was was a 50-50 affair. You, re- you wouldn't really say anybody edged it. It was very cagey. There weren't that many chances. It was. It really looked like PSG were just out to nullify United's counter-attacking threat. Um, Marquinhos, who put in an excellent shift throughout the whole game, had a man-marking mission on Paul Pogba, which he just did to perfection throughout the whole match. And we all know Paul Pogba is Manchester United's only creative outlet in the team. So really, if you can stop him from playing, then you you really cancel out all of those counterattacks, all of those passes that can be made from 30 yards back or from 40 yards back, those 40-yard passes across the pitch to an ongoing player for a counter like Rashford or Martial. That was basically nullified with Paul Pogba being man-marked by Marquinhos. And also, the, I mean, United had a few counter-attacking opportunities, but they were also just not that smart on the ball. They kept on handing the ball over, getting a lot of turnovers, when like a simple, just like quick two, three passes would have definitely set them off for a good counter-attack. We're talking like they could have had opportunities where it could have been like just three United attackers against two PSG defenders. We had scenarios like that a lot of the time, but it wasn't really so. And then to add insult to injury, to make the whole first half worse from a United perspective, they got injuries from both Martial and Lingard, who were able to finish the half, but did not come back for the second half. And they were substituted by Juan Mata and Alexis Sanchez, who just looked dreadful, both of them. They really did not have anything to add to the game in the second half. And that was really where PSG just turned it up to up a notch. They really saw that United were a wounded animal and they went for blood. They went for the kill. And the second half was a completely different story from the first half. It was really not KG at all. PSG deserved all the goals they got and they could have even made it worse. So in the second half, they... We really had no counter-attacking opportunities anymore because with both Martial and Lingard out and being replaced by Juan Mata, who literally runs like a snail, he runs as fast as he tries to, as he can, but the thing is that he's a short guy, so his legs just do not move that quickly and cannot cover that much distance. And Alexis Sanchez, who used to have pace, but seems to have lost that and much, much more in his game. He was dreadful as well. So there was really no counter-attacking. Rashford was the only one. So if you could just put like a defender on Rashford 
to continue to track him. That was really it. Take out Rashford, take out Pogba, and you've basically taken out United's attacking potential for the whole match. And that was exactly what PSG did. And United created nothing in the second half. PSG created so many opportunities. And honestly, 2-0 was, to an extent, flattering to Manchester United. To compound that with the fact that Angel Di Maria had the game of a lifetime. Like, I think this was literally the best Champions League performance he's put in since he left Real Madrid. And don't forget, Di Maria is a former Manchester United player who left the club in very unfortunate circumstances. And there was definitely no love lost between the the fans and Di Maria. United, at Old Trafford, United fans hardly ever boo any former players. But Di Maria got a lot of stick from the audience, from the fans. And he put in a beautiful display to shut them up. And it was so frustrating because I know Di Maria is not the player he used to be. Not even close. He's nothing close to the world-class player he was. When United splashed all that money for a then-record Premier League signing to get him in the club. He's not that player anymore, but he looked... He looked levels above every other player in the united jersey and it was just it was just frustrating to watch it was really frustrating to watch and then and then yeah alexis sanchez like i said alexis sanchez created nothing he brought nothing to the game but turnovers he just kept on passing we all know his passing accuracy is not that good his well no i would say his passing accuracy but the number of balls he gives away because of sloppy passes He's always done that since his Arsenal games, and that seems to be the only part of his game that he has maintained. And then all the positive aspects, he has just lost them. So he really was nothing as a as an attacking force. In my opinion, he should um Alexis Sanchez, yeah, maybe he should have brought him on because there was nobody else, but Juan Mata should not have been brought on. I think that was a case of naivety from Oligana Solskjaer for once. He instead brought on Mata and he should have definitely brought on Rashford, sorry, Lukaku, because Mata is not quick and there's really nothing he's going to do against a defense that is really just not allowing any of the players to move into any spaces. You know, Mata can be a creative player, but where, where were the passes for him to make? They weren't there. So it was a very well-deserved victory for PSG. And like I said, I was disappointed because of the performance. Because, come on, this is a PSG side without Neymar and Cavani. Without two-thirds of the best attacking force or the best front three in Europe, arguably. They were missing two out of those three. Mbappe is a world-class player. Don't get me wrong, he is an elite player. But he alone, I would rather, if you told me that before the match, that Cavani and Neymar, well, we already knew Cavani and Neymar were going to be injured. So everybody was looking at United to come out as comfortable winners. If you take into account the form of the team, the fact that we were playing at home, and the fact that PSG had so many injuries, not only Cavani and Neymar, even Verratti. Verratti, this was literally like his second start in a few months. He just came back from an injury as well. He was a huge doubt for this match as well. So, and then he was playing guys like yeah, Di Maria, who's just like, in my opinion, he's almost like a has-been right now. Played... Marquinhos in the midfield. Marquinhos is not a defensive midfielder, but he looked like he had been playing in that position for years when he was Tottenham Mark Pogba. We had the likes of Julian Draxler, who on his day is a good player, but he is not a central midfielder by any stretch of, of the imagination. And there he looked like a world-class central midfielder. Like, what the hell? And it's in Old Trafford. I was really disappointed. But... Yeah, it was it was seriously a reality check for United. It was a reality check, reality check for the fans to see that despite the fact that Solskjaer has greatly improved this team and done things that nobody thought he would be able to do with them, it still shows that the team is, in terms of quality of the players, more money needs to be spent. It's sad that United have spent so much money in the past on buying so many players and then they all have just seemed to not be able to cut it. And it's clear. The team needs new players. They need, they need new midfielders. Need new a new winger, possibly, and new right back, for sure. They need a new right back, 
and a new center back as well. So, reality check for United, man. And it's safe to say this match is over because, it, it, yes, we, you could have said, okay, 2 0. 2 0 is a huge task, it's a huge mountain to climb, but it's not impossible. But then the fact that Pogba got injured, sorry, not injured, he got sent off, deservedly so, in my opinion. I think, I don't think the first yellow was deserved, but the second yellow was definitely a yellow card. And he could really have no complaints. He really was indisciplined in this match. And I think his frustration just really led to that second tackle, to the tackle that led to the sending off. And without him, I really don't see how United can go to Paris, who know whose fans know how to really turn it up in their home stadium. Even even at Old Trafford, they were making a lot more noise than the United fans were. So if you're gonna go to Old Traf- um to Old Trafford and the fans can make that kind of noise, then imagine how the atmosphere is going to be when it comes to the Parc de Prince. So I really do not give United a chance for this match. And on top of that, over the past day, United have had a lot more injuries since then. So the likes of Mar- Martial is still out. He's probably going to be back. Lingard re-injured his hamstring again against Liverpool. So he's probably going to be out for longer. Rashford barely made it through the match against Liverpool. So I'm pretty sure he's going to have to take some time out as well. And Popova has gone for the second leg. So, yo, it's going to be a tough, tough match. And I think PSG are already through. So, reality check for United. Your team's not as good as we thought it was. But that being said, this season was always a foregone, was a dead rubber, really. And anything we could have gotten from the Champions League would have just been a bonus. Everything is on the top, is on making the top four this season in the league. And as long as United are still on target for that, I'm really not complaining at all. But that's about it for United versus PSG. Next match, we had Spurs, who turned up in Wembley and defeated Borussia Dortmund three goals to nil. We had goals from Son Heung Min in the 47th minute. And then in the last 10 minutes, it looked like Dortmund just lost it all. And Vertonghen made it 2-0 in the 83rd minute. And three minutes later, Fernando Llorente off the bench scored a header to give Spurs a 3-0 lead and to give Dortmund an almost unassailable deficit to recover from for the next leg. And this match was quite interesting as well. Similarly to United, I think the first half was really was more of a 50-50 affair. I would say maybe Borussia Dortmund even slightly edged it. I think they could have maybe scored a goal. They had a few decent half chances. But in the second half, it was a completely different story because Mauricio Pochettino showed more of his tactical nous. And I don't know what he told the players in the dressing room, but that second half was a completely different story. And... That was really where Spurs turned up the heat and Dortmund could just not handle them. The second half, they could have even scored more than that. They were by far head and shoulders ahead of Dortmund in that second half. And I could give a few excuses to Dortmund because they had even more injuries. I know leading up to the match, all the all the concern and the attention was on the injuries that Spurs had for the likes of Dele Ali and Harry Kane. But actually, at the end of the day, it was actually Dortmund who had even more injuries than Spurs did. Royce, who is their talisman, was out. And I struggle to remember who was, but I do know that they had a few key guys who were, who were out of the match. And I don't think Dortmund as well have that much of a strong bench, of a strong second 11. So if it's not that first 11, that, if, if that first 11 is not complete with all of their starting players then it's really hard to get the same quality of football from the second string players. But yeah, this it's going to be very, very hard for Dortmund to come back. And, it's, and it really seems like their whole season is unraveling because this, is, this result was not really a one-off in the league. They've been having similarly disappointing results. And in fact, they actually let, let go of a nine-point lead at the top of the table and right now they're just three points ahead of Bayern Munich at the top of the Bundesliga table 
So I don't know if the season is unraveling, but they definitely need to turn things around really, really quickly. They need to turn things around really fast because if they don't, then this might end up being such a disappointing season after, after all the excitement and the whole potential that this season could have led to for them. They look like, well, they could still win the league. I hope they do. But, but if they don't win the league and they get knocked out in these circumstances against, against Spurs, then it's really going to be very disappointing. And a 3-0 a a deficit, I don't know if they can do it. Can they do it away from home? Or can they do it at home, actually, against Spurs at the Signal Iduna Park? Whew, I think it's possible. I think it's definitely very possible. If they have their first team back, if the likes of Marco Royce, who should be back. I know he was supposed to be back over the weekend, but he missed the match against, um, was it Leverkusen? But I think he's going to be back for the Champions League match. If he is and the other players that were out are all back, then I could definitely see them beating Spurs as badly as Spurs beat them. I want to remind you guys that during the group stages this season, they actually beat Atletico Madrid 4-0. And if there's any team that does not concede four goals, that rarely ever concedes more than one or two goals in a game, it's Atletico Madrid. So for them to have been able to put in four goals without any reply against Atletico, then they can definitely do it to Spurs. The only thing now is that Spurs know that their job is just to come in and defend. And... That's really a straightforward task for them. But like we all say, Spurs do Spursy things. So if there's really any team that I would predict to, to bottle a three-goal lead leading up to a second leg, it's Spurs. So I'm, I'm sure Spurs will be confident, but definitely they're going to be cautiously optimistic I would say I would I would heed them to make some to have some caution because Spurs have a history of bottling it. Last season they really bottled it. I remember against Juventus, they got a very good two-two draw at the um, Juventus Stadium, and in the second leg they were actually leading. Was it one nil or two nil? And they ended up losing how many goals in the second half, and they lost the match. So. Spurs have had ridiculous performances like this in the past, but I think that that second leg is going to be all to play for. I think that second leg is going to be really exciting because the Dortmund crowd are going to be up for it. The Dortmund players are going to be up for it. And if Spurs are not able to keep a clean sheet, like in the first half, if they concede an early goal, whoa, this is going to be a crazy match for them to get through. And I'm really excited for this one. I said United are out. I don't think they can do it against PSG, but Dortmund, I think they can come back against Spurs. Next match, and we had Lyon, who held Barcelona at home to a 0-0 draw in the first leg of their match. This was a really disappointing match for me in terms of the results. Going into the match, I expected both teams to at least be able to score a few goals. I expected this to be a high-scoring high match. I I had I had been scared to make a prediction because I thought Lyon had a good chance of beating Barcelona in their own home over the two legs of course I Barcelona are overwhelming favorites but I think in Lyon's home it really was not beyond their capabilities to defeat Barcelona at home I mean they beat Manchester City at the Etihad stadium and held them to a draw in their home stadium and the 2-2 I believe so I think Manchester City are better than Barcelona, even though they don't have the pedigree that Barca has in Europe. This season, I think they are a better team, and I think they, Lyon could have done some damage to Barcelona, but that just was not the case. And it was actually Barcelona who were quite wasteful in the match. I would say in the first half, it was a kind of 50-50 affair as well. Lyon definitely had the best chance of scoring with that long-range shot that... Ter Stegen did excellently well to tip and make the ball hit the crossbar, to tip the ball until it hit the crossbar. That was the best opportunity in the first half. And Barcelona didn't really create that much in the first half. They created some half chances, but nothing that big. And then the second half came in and it was really 
was Barcelona played 80% of that second half in front of the Lyon box or in the Lyon half. Lyon did not really create shit in the second half, but Barcelona just failed to have their shooting boots on and get a goal. They controlled the possession, but they really didn't even create that many clear-cut opportunities. And it just seems like when Messi is not firing, the squad just cannot help him out. Keep saying this. Barcelona is just a messy FC this season and for the past two or three seasons. Suarez looks like a shadow of the player he used to be. He looks like he has declined so badly this season. I mean, he can still put in a good performance like the one he did against Real Madrid at the Nou Camp, but he just doesn't do that consistently enough. And today he can look like the player that scored 60 goals in one season all those years back. And then tomorrow he looks like Nicholas Bentner, literally. I'm not even exaggerating. That's how bad Suarez has been this season. And it's really surprising. I think age is just maybe catching up to him. And he has failed to change his game the way other players that have come of age have successfully been able to adapt and change their game. He has not been able to do that. He still wants to play like the young player, like how he was when he was younger. And his body is just not allowing him to do that. And yeah, it was disappointing performance from him. Disappointing performance from Barcelona in terms of the attack. And Lyon also disappointed me because I thought they were really going to go at Barcelona in this match the way they did against City. And it's safe to say that they are out because there is no way they are going to get a score draw at the new Camp against Barcelona. They're not going to beat Barcelona at the new Camp and they're not going to get a score draw which are the only two ways that they can qualify. I see Barcelona giving them a humiliation. And that's all she wrote for Lyon. But we'll see what happens. It's football. You never know. That's why we all love this game. I would love to see a surprise. So, Lyon, prove me wrong if you can. Then next, we're going to talk about another nil-nil draw. And this one was between two heavyweights in Liverpool and Bayern Munich. Liverpool were at Anfield hosting Bayern Munich and like and if Lyon versus Barcelona was disappointing then this one was like the low of the lowest the lows of the lows like you can't go lower than this this was horrible the, the match Liverpool especially were horrible Bayern came in with a game plan and it was obvious from the start of the match it was obvious that Bayern were not coming there to take the game to Liverpool they wanted Liverpool to take the game to them. And Liverpool were just not up for that challenge. Surprisingly so, in front of an Anfield crowd who looked jittery as well, like they have been looking over the past few weeks. The Anfield crowd have just not been able to turn up and put up that noise, that same, that same intensity that they had been able to do so at the beginning of the season and, and that we all know Liverpool the Liverpool Stadium for bringing. We all know that Anfield, the Anfield crowd is second to none. And in this match, they just did not do it. And it seems like whenever the crowd gets nervous, the players just feel it instantly and they act the same way. And it was like that in this case as well because Liverpool created chances. They created enough chances to be able to score at least one or even two goals. Look at the chance from Mane, which he wasted a few other chances that I'm struggling to remember because the match was a few weeks ago, but chances, come on, like Liverpool were really, really wasteful in this match. But I will give a lot of credit to Bayern Munich because they defended very well. Going to this match, nobody would have predicted that Bayern Munich would be able to shut out the Liverpool attack because despite the fact that Bayern have been better of late they've been able to gather some momentum and get a good string of results of late the defense has not been that good despite this good run of form because they've got the likes of Hummels who is so old Sula who just cannot move he's just a big tall tree we have um Boateng who is who's just he should probably even retire very soon or, or like move to Qatar or China or something to get a nice payout before he retires. So we've got these defenders who just cannot move anymore against literally the fastest attacking trio in Europe right now. And they held them. They held them. They did not allow them to 
click into gear like they usually do, despite the chances that, that Liverpool did create, those chances were, were few and far between. They were not consistently being made. It wasn't like Liverpool laid siege on the Bayern, on the Bayern Munich defence and they just couldn't handle it. It was more of Bayern just being able to thwart every attempt that Liverpool brought their way. And I will give a lot of credit to Mats Hummels because he has been so poor this season, but he put in a shift this time around and he really held Mohamed Salah. Salah barely created any opportunities. And I give a lot of credit to the Bayern midfield as well because they did not allow themselves to be bullied by the Liverpool midfield like they usually do. In terms of the high pressing and everything, Thiago Alcantara was excellent. Javi Martinez was great. James Rodriguez, not so much in my opinion. He just looked like a really basic player. But I guess he did the job that he was put on to do. Nothing special, just uh, a 6 out of 10 performance. But the other two, um, Thiago especially, Thiago was very good in this match. And Martinez did his best as well. And... The match ended nil-nil. I don't know what to say. I expected goals from this match. I expected both teams to at least score. I expected Bayern to be able to take advantage of the Liverpool defense because they had a few injuries. I think Milner played at right back. Um, Henderson put in... Okay, Henderson was the best player on the pitch, for sure. He he definitely was like the man of the match. Says from him, Van Dijk was out for the match, suspended. It was a defense of Matip and... And Fabinho, Fabinho is a versatile, excellent, versatile player. So no qualms there. But I would have still thought that he's not a natural defender. So I'd have still thought that Bayern Munich would have at least created some chances against them. But it really wasn't the case. And really the best chance for Bayern was actually almost an own goal where it was an excellent cross that was played in. But Matip and Matip um, hit the ball directly into the body of Alisson. Luckily for him, anywhere else and it would have been a goal. So, wasteful Liverpool, and they really might rue these missed opportunities because they're going to the Allianz Arena, and I don't see them beating Bayern Munich in the Allianz Arena. It's possible, it's possible, definitely possible, because I think Liverpool showed that they have that showed why they've been much better than Bayern this season, but Liverpool have not been good away from home in the Champions League this season. They've lost literally every match. They even lost to Red Star Belgrade 2-0. So if they can lose to Red Star, they lost to Red Star, they lost to Napoli, they lost to PSG, then how are they going to come and beat Bayern Munich at the Allianz Arena? I really don't see that happening, man. It's going to be tough, though. Maybe they can get a score draw and qualify like that, or take the match to extra time and nick a goal, something like that, it's possible. But it's going to be hard to keep Bayern out for the whole match. And I'm not sure if Thomas Muller is going to be back for this match. I don't know if it was a one-match suspension or two matches. But if he's back, that's despite the fact that he's not been that great this season, it's still going to be an added boost to Bayern Munich. And the likes of Robin, I don't know if Robin is going to be back, but if he's back as well, that would be great for them. Because we all know, despite his old age, he can still put in a shift. And that left foot, that skill he does, is still one of the hardest to mark against in European football. So this match is still in the balance. Both teams still have a great chance of going through. But I'm going to give the advantage to Bayern Munich, honestly. Because they came to the match with a game plan and they got the draw. And now it's all in their hands to go on and get a goal and win it. And yeah, that's really all I've got for this game. And then next, we've got Roma, who defeated FC Porto 2-1 at the Stadio Olimpico. The match was, they got goals from Nicolo Zaniolo, who is a youngster for Roma, homegrown talent. He got the two goals playing from the number 10 position. He scored in the 70th minute and the 76th minute to make it 2-0 to Roma. And then... Adrian Lopez got a consolation goal, a huge goal for FC Porto, actually, which, ha- which, which really changed the whole dynamic of the match. And I think AS Roma would be definitely be very disappointed to have conceded that goal because they themselves were quite wasteful and could have 
could have scored more than two goals in the first half. The first half was quite boring, but I think Roma should have scored in the first half. And in the second half, they finally did get their goals, but they conceded. And I'm sure they would have been gutted to concede that goal because it came out of nothing. It was basically a shot, a shot from the out, from outside the box from an FC Porto player that deflected off of a Roma defender, deflected off of him, went up in the air. The ball went up in the air, came back down, and luckily, the um. Um, Adrian Lopez was in an onside position to just basically stick the ball in the back of the net. And really unfortunate for Roma to concede that goal because I think that goal has made FC Porto, I wouldn't say favorites because they are still going into the second leg with a, with a deficit, with an aggregate deficit. But I think they definitely came away with the results that would have made them much happier than Roma would because... They got the away goal, and all they need is a 1-0 win at um, at um, the Estadio Odragao, and they're through. All they need is a 1-0 win. And I don't really see Roma being able to go to the um, Estadio Odragao and defeating FC Porto. I don't see that happening. I think FC Porto is going to win. So I'm going to put FC Porto as the favorites to go through for me. Cause they let, cause Roma let that goal in. If it was the two nil lead that they were going into with the second leg, I think I would have said Roma should be able to see it out, but they can't. And away from home as well, it must be said that Roma have just been poor away from home. They rarely ever win matches away from home, especially of late. I mean, it wasn't so long ago that they shipped in was it six or seven goals against Fiorentina at home. So, yeah, it's gonna be tough for them to be able to win this match i think they're just going to go in to defend they have to defend with their lives not allow a goal and maybe if they can nick a goal then it's going to be tough for fc porto but i think this match is still in the balance still up for grabs and fc porto should be liking their chances for the second half of this fixture and then over to the next match, highly controversial match, which involved Ajax and Real Madrid. Ajax won, Real Madrid 2 is how it finished after the final whistle. The goals were from Karim Benzema in the 60th minute, Hakim Ziyech equalized in the 75th minute, and then Marco Asensio off the bench gave Real Madrid the late winner in the 87th minute. This was a highly controversial match, like I said. Well, first of all, let me just say Ajax played better than Real Madrid in this match. I don't understand how they were not able to score in the first half because they had a boatload of opportunities in the first half that they just could not get into the back of the net. They could not get a goal. And we all know how it goes. Whenever you play against top-tier opposition and you cannot take your chances, you will always regret that. And that is exactly what Real Madrid did to Ajax. But I will say that that was not the full story, though, because Ajax did think that they had opened the scoring through Dusan Tadic. But then there was a VAR review, and the goal was ruled out as offside. And it was ruled out as offside because, according to them, a player in an offside position interfered with the play and the, ma- the, and the goal was ruled offside. Whew, was probably a tough pill to swallow for Ajax because from watching the replay, you can tell that the player that was judged to be offside, um, yes, he, um, yes, despite the fact, the fact that he was ruled offside to be interfering with play, even if he was not there, the ball would have still gone into the back of the net. Like there is nothing Real Madrid would have done to stop that goal, and the goal really and that that decision really covered Courtois' blushes as well because it was really it was his fault. the The whole thing was his fault because I don't know what went through his head to punch the ball or I don't know what kind of save he made, but he was basically the one who put the ball back into the net, in, into the box instead of just being able to punch away. Uh, a corner that was not really that well taken and he would have been left to really rue that poor um, decision making 
But luckily for him, it wasn't so. And the goal was ruled offside. And I must say, it was the right decision. Despite the fact that it's so unfair for Ajax to be able to lose a goal from those circumstances, that is the rule of the game. Those are the rules of the game. If a player is is in... If a player like tries to go for a ball from an offside position, even though he doesn't have a material effect on the ball, even if he doesn't get to the ball, even if there's no chance of him getting to the ball, and even if without him being there, the whole scenario would have still taken place the exact same way, it's still offside. That's the rule of the game, and the referees had to follow the rule of the game. But tough pill to swallow and i my heart goes out to ajax because that was that was really tough on them and a similar um, scenario was actually in the champions league as well earlier this season in the group stages and paulo dybala i don't know if you guys remember but there was a the, the game against between juventus and young boys at the young boys stadium and dybala scored an absolutely freak of a goal he scored a, it was a volley from outside the box, which went into the goal. The keeper had no chance and it was ruled offside. Why was it ruled offside? It was ruled offside because Ronaldo tried to jump and head the ball. And he missed the header and the ball still went in. And if Ronaldo was not there, the keeper would have still had no chance of saving that. But just because of the fact that Ronaldo tried to head the ball from an offside position, it was ruled offside. And it's a very similar scenario to this. The player was in an offside position. He tried to go for the ball. Even if the player was not in that position and he was not there, the ball would have still ended up in the back of the net. But it doesn't matter because that's the rules. So I feel for Ajax, but the referee's got to do what the referee's got to do. And then let's talk about more controversy because even the Karim Benzema goal was highly controversial as well. Because... Because... um. What was I going to say? Well, was it the Real Madrid, the Benzema goal or the Asensio winner? I think it was the Asensio winner that was controversial. The Benzema goal, though, I have to give a shout out to the boy, the wonder boy that is Vinicius Jr. Because what he did to create that goal scoring opportunity for Benzema was simply world class. The way he took on those defenders, he, he basically took on like three defenders. He took them out and just laid the ball on a silver platter for Benzema to smash into the back of the net, which Benzema did excellently well as well. But man, Vinicius, like the way he created that space, like the Ajax defenders were literally struggling to catch up with him. And the guy is a special talent, man. He has been the shining light of Real Madrid's season this season. Despite the dull, the dullness of it all, despite the poor results that they've had, he has been the one constant shining light. And it's really great to see him still performing at the same level in matches that matter. He he played very well against Real Madrid previously in the Copa del Rey semifinal first leg. But his his decision making let him down. And he wasn't about to let that happen in a second consecutive match. So he did excellently well to give Benzema the pass. And Benzema scored the goal. And then in the dying minutes, Marco Asensio got the winner. And I believe this was where the controversial decision was made because in the build-up to the goal, there was a clear foul by Lucas Vasquez on an Ajax player right around, I would say, maybe 20 yards behind the the edge of the 18-yard box. And the goalkeeper, the referee, was in an excellent position to see the, the foul. He did not blow the foul and Real Madrid went on to score. And the question was, can VAR go back and look at that foul and cancel the goal because of the foul that took place in the run-up to the goal. That's really the debate. I have seen in the past, especially in the Italian Serie A, there have been situations like that where the goal was actually cancelled because there was a foul in the build-up. But then there have been other circumstances where it wasn't cancelled. So we really don't know. And this is the problem with the VAR. Because the rules have not been set out straight. It's a problem with VAR and it's a problem with football. Because football has so many grey areas. And really, most of the, a lot of the decisions that the referees have to make 
are subjective decisions. So one referee can make this decision and the other ref and another referee another day might not make the same decision. So I don't know. And the argument is if you're going to start blowing cancelling goals for fouls that happen in the build up to a goal, how far back can you go? So let's say maybe it was a counterattack that for example, let's say that this foul did not happen in the in the Ajax half of the field. Let's say it's happened in the Real Madrid half of the field, like a few yards ahead of the Real Madrid um, 18-yard box. And Real Madrid had this excellent counter-attacking opportunity and Lucas Vasquez brings down an Ajax player and the ball and, and the play goes on and he scores. Are you still going to call back the... Are you still going to look at that incident and cancel the goal? I really don't know. So I think FIFA has to come up with more black and white rules and not allow referees to keep on making decisions as they go based on subjective reasons rather than based on the rule and the laws of the game which should be clearly spelled out but it's a tough order because it's really really hard to um to set the rules for those kind of situations but yeah real madrid got the win though they defeated ajax away from home Ajax will rue the opportunities that they missed because despite the controversy in the match, they really should have scored like one or two or three goals in the first half. And it's really unfortunate for them because there's no way that they're going to go to the nuke to the Bernabeu and turn over a two one deficit. They're just not gonna do that. I don't see that that happening at all. So Real Madrid turning up at the right time once again, turning up in the business end of the season when it's time to win the Champions League. Are they going to do it again this time around? It's going to be a tough ask for them to do that, but let's see how it goes for them. But I think they're definitely through in this match. Next, we had Atletico Madrid defeating Juventus two goals to nil at the Estadio Metropolitano. That was a crazy game as well. Because leading up to the match, nobody would have predicted Atletico Madrid defeating Juventus 2-0. I mean, Juventus not being able to score even one goal, that was would have been hard to predict. Because if you look at the form going into the match, Atletico Madrid are not in the best of form. They lost 3-1 at home against Real Madrid. They had a few poor results as well in the league. And... And... Um, Juventus, on the other hand, yeah, Juventus were not in the best of form leading up to this match, but they're still undefeated in the league. And we all know that the reason why they signed Cristiano Ronaldo this season was to win the Champions League. So you would have thought that they would be they would be so turned up for this match that it wouldn't have even mattered the form that they'd had of recent. And they also had a lot of their injured players coming back for this match. So they put out a base, basically a full-strength team. And they were completely outplayed by Atletico Madrid. Do not be deceived by the scoreline. Atletico Madrid des- um, deserved this win and could have even made it 3 or 4-0. I'm not kidding. That's how bad Juventus were. I mean, speak about a defense that has Bonucci and Chiellini allowing so many opportunities, so many chances to the opposition. It's really unheard of. And... And let's go Madrid, man. They deserve the win. In the first half as well, I feel like all of the first halves in this round were just cagey affairs. I feel like maybe most of the teams were scared to concede the first goal. And then once the second half came in, they were like, okay, it's now or nothing. This is, this is when it's time to really turn up and get a result. And that's probably why so many of the goals came in the second half. And in this match, it was the same way. The scoring was open through Jose Maria Jimenez in the 78th minute and then five minutes later Diogo Godin made it 2-0 no surprise that both of the goals came from set pieces and no surprise that both of the goals came from Atletico Madrid defenders because their attack has just not been gelling this season aside from Griezmann who's been playing well Costa has not really had a good return to Atletico Madrid at least as as far as this season is concerned and Alvaro Morata, who they just signed, has just picked up from where he left off with Chelsea. He actually scored a goal in this match as well. The goal that he thought would have been the opening match. He came off the bench and he thought he, he got the opening goal for Atletico Madrid. But it was cancelled 
after VAR reviewed the goal because he put his hands on, I think it was Chiellini. He put his hands on Chiellini to leverage himself to get the header. So it was rightly called uh, a foul, which I agree with. In my opinion, it was a foul, even though Chiellini did his best to embellish the the challenge. But nevertheless, it was a foul. And I feel like this guy is cursed because even in his first match against Real Madrid, or not his first match, in his first match, they actually lost, which just shows you the curse. In his first match for Atletico Madrid, they lost their first match in like three, four or five months, something ridiculous like that. And then next match against Real Madrid at home, he thinks he's got the goal to put Atletico Madrid back into the game and is ruled offside from VAR. And then VAR consoles his goal again. This guy is just cursed, and I don't know what's up with him. But, but yeah, um, the goal was cancelled, but Atletico Madrid still forged on and got the two goals. And it was really bad defending from Juventus. And in terms of as an, as an attacking outlet as well, Juventus would have been really frustrated because they really did not create that many opportunities. In the first half, I struggle to think, okay, there was a Ronaldo free kick, which if he had placed it um, either side of the goal, I'm pretty sure Oblak would have ha- found it very difficult to be able to save that. But aside from that, and then there was also a set piece, which um, Bonucci headed over the bar. Aside from that, that was really it. And then in the second half, R- Ronaldo had an excellent opportunity to make it 2-1. But the cross, he had a good opportunity to head the ball into the goal. But the cross was kind of too high, I would say. And he literally had to stretch all of his neck muscles even to just get his head on the ball. So it was hard to direct the ball into the net. But that was really it from Juve. They didn't really create anything else. And it was really disappointing performance from them. Because this is they've already won the league. So we all know that this is what they've set out their sights. This is their ambition for the season to win the Champions League. And with performances like that, it's going to be hard. And I don't know if they can overturn this in the Juventus Stadium because literally, if there's any team in Europe that you would put your money on to defend a two-goal lead in the Champions League, it's Atletico Madrid. So I don't know how Juve is going to do this, but they have to absolutely do it because if they get knocked out, at this stage of the Champions League, it's just going to be such a huge disappointment for them. And for Atletico Madrid, though, it's, it was a vintage performance from them because they defended excellently well and they attacked so well as well. And um, I guess maybe the, the reason why they were so fired up for the match is because the final is going to be played in their stadium. So if they ever needed any motivation to get to the final, I guess that's it. They want to play the final in front of their, in, in front of their home fans. <clears throat> so they're going to be really, really gingered, really riled up for the second leg, I bet. And I think they're going to go through, man. It's, it's, it's tough to say. But we all know Juventus has Ronaldo. They have a cheat code. And if Ronaldo turns up for that match, then all bets are off. But I don't know if that's going to happen, man. I do know Ronaldo has an excellent record against Atletico Madrid. He scored over 20 goals against them. I think they're like his third or fourth best opposition that he's played against. So he's definitely going to be looking to score goals. But at the same time, can Juventus prevent Atletico Madrid from scoring one? If they score one, Juve have to score four. And if it's tough enough to score two against Atletico Madrid, imagine how hard it is to score four. So... Let's go Madrid are overwhelming favorites, but I'm not going to rule out Juventus. We'll see how it goes. And then last but not least, for the Champions League, we had Schalke losing at home two goals to three against Manchester City. This was a very wild game as well in terms of refereeing decisions. Manchester City opened the scoring in the 18th minute from Kun Aguero. And this has been a trend for Manchester City over the past two months or so. They literally score goals within the first 20 minutes, sometimes within the first five minutes or even one minute of the match. And then it goes two ways. They either, they either um, blow the opposition apart and go on and score four or five goals, or they just sit back and they concede a goal. 
and their whole confidence is dented and they end up either drawing or losing the match. This match, I would say, what looked like was going to be more of the latter, of them scoring first and then sitting back and and then um, getting getting scored on and losing all confidence for the rest of the match. It was almost like that, but it wasn't really so. So I would say after Kunagüero opened the scoring in the 18th minute from a stupid decision from the shocker keeper, I don't know what he was thinking. But then eventually they got back into the match because Otamendi um, did a handball in the box. In my opinion, it was a handball as well. Some are saying that it was ball to hand because of the speed of the ball. And it would have been hard for Otamendi to move his hand out of the way. But in my opinion... His arm was too far out for you to say it's a ball to hand and not give give a penalty because basically his 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 arm was almost a yard away from his body and it deflected off of his arm and would have probably gone out for a corner. So if a ball is gonna go off of your arm for a corner, then definitely that's a handball, in my opinion. So up steps Nabil Bentaleb to open the scoring for Schalke and he did he grabbed the equalizer for them and he scored it to make it 1-1 to Schalke he has not missed a penalty this season I believe I think he has like 15 out of 15 penalties so it was almost like a show banker for him to score it and then in the 45th minute once again another penalty awarded to Schalke this time because of a foul from Fernandinho in the box on I think it was Sane Sane of Schalke not of City so up steps Bentaleb again and he got the goal to make it 2-1 to Schalke. And Schalke fans were starting to dream again. It looked like they were going to pull an impossible result, actually defeating Manchester City. Because Schalke has been very poor this season. They have not had the best of seasons at all. And this would have just been an amazing result for them to defeat City. But that was not the case. But in fact, it looked like it was even going to be more of that case. It It looked like Schalke were going to get the win because... Then in the 68th minute, Otamendi got sent off with a second booking of the game. And it looked like, okay, you're 2-1 up. You have a man advantage. Like, what more can you ask for? Well, I don't know what more Shaka would have asked for because they definitely did not have enough. They wanted more. They wanted maybe three more sendings off for, for Manchester City for them to feel confidence. But it didn't happen. And... They held on until the 85th minute. And in the 85th minute, they conceded an excellent free kick goal from their former player, Leroy Sané. Sané stepped, off, stepped up off the bench. He put in a dazzling free kick. Keeper had no chance of saving that. And City were back in the game, 2-2. So after it's, it's 2-2, okay, maybe we should defend now. Maybe we shouldn't really do anything stupid. And it looked like it was maybe going to end up that way. But then what happens? Edison gets the ball. He literally just boots the ball up the pitch, up to the, the, the right wing. And then I don't know what the defender is doing, but he clearly is in control of the situation. And he allows, he allows the mighty Raheem Sterling, Raheem Sterling with all of his 7-foot, 500-pound frame, knocks this defender down. And he's through on goal. And what is this? He's not even through on goal. He's coming from the wing, from the edge of the box. And what does the keeper do? The keeper decides to come off his line by like five or six yards and basically give Raheem Sterling all the time and space in the world to just put in any shot on target and it's a goal. And that's exactly what Sterling did. He got the goal and City came away with the win. 3-2 away from home with 10 men. Like, what a crazy game this was and what a result for City. That was a wild comeback for them. And now, I mean, it's it's all dead and gone for Schalke. There's no way they're going to go to the Etihad and get a result. City have won this match and Schalke are out. And they only have themselves to blame, really, because two out of the three goals they conceded completely of their own doing. Ridiculous defending. But Manchester City must be said... This is why I am still hesitant to see them as 
as contenders to win the Champions League. While they are contenders, they're one of the favorites, of course, because they have the quality, but I don't think they're going to win it. And this is why. It's because they still don't have that European pedigree and they still come up short in so many matches in Europe. I mean, if this was against a team like Atletico Madrid, there is just no way they would have won this match. Atletico Madrid would have capitalized upon that and if they had made it 2-1, there's no way City would have come back into this match. Look at what they did in the group stage. They should have lost to Lyon um, in, the, in the reverse fixture and they did lose to Lyon at home. So I really don't see how City are going to continue playing like this and how they're going to win the Champions League by playing like this. I don't see it happening at all. But we'll see how it goes. Then over to the Europa League. I'm just going to go through this really quickly. Arsenal defeated Bate Borisov three goals to nil. They overturned the first leg loss of 1-0 and they won three goals to nil, courtesy of goals from um, from Zakhar Volkov, who scored an own goal to open the scoring for Arsenal. And then Skodra Mustafi made it 2-1 and then Socrates Papastotopoulos made it 3-0. Sorry, Mustafi made it 2-0 and then Socrates made it 3-0 to Arsenal. And yeah, we all expected them to win the match and that is exactly what they did. And they had a rare start for Mesut Ozil, who just cannot get a game in any meaningful way in the league or in a in a match that actually matters. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of reasons maybe why Emery doesn't like him, but it's crazy, though. And he got a rare start here. He put in a good performance, but he didn't really do anything to suggest that Emery would consider putting him back into the starting eleven in the league. And then Chelsea defeated Malmo three goals to nil winning that one 5-1 on aggregate. In the match, they had goals from Giroud, Barkley, and Callum Hudson odoi who put in a man-of-the-match performance. And then Sevilla defeated Lazio, two goals to nil. Sevilla got goals from Ben Yedder, Pablo and Pablo Sarabia in the 78th minutes. They also, both teams had red cards. Franco Vasquez had a red in the 60th minute, and Adam Marusic had a got a red in the 71st minutes and let's see Sevilla the kings of the Europa League and it's been a while since they won it so I'm sure they're going to be looking forward to looking to go as far as they can in this competition and and maybe even win it and um and yeah that's that's about it for for those matches and I would just like to talk about the there's some Premier League action coming up this week some midweek action that we've got coming up and the fixtures are going to be the standout fixture is Chelsea versus Spurs it's going to be a huge match for both teams both teams lost Chelsea lost in the Carabao Cup unfortunately for them even though they created enough opportunities to have at least scored one goal but they were not able to and the match went to extra time and to penalties and they lost on penalties to Manchester City and what a chaotic affair between Arita Balaga and and uh, Marita Sarri when he refused to get subbed off so I wonder if he's going to play in this match Spurs on the other hand need to recover from the loss against Burnley and yeah it's a big match for both teams let's see how it goes Liverpool versus Watford Liverpool are going to be looking to bounce back from the string of draws that they've been having they were lucky not to lose against Manchester United. They didn't really create anything as long as as far as attacking is concerned. And they'll be looking to get back to winning ways. They are back on the top of the table though. But this is a match that they must win. Manchester City versus West Ham. Well, West Ham never ever does well against City. So I'm just not going to talk about this one. City win 3-4-0. Arsenal versus Bournemouth. This should be an interesting match. I expect Arsenal to get all three points, but it should be entertaining. I expect both teams to score some goals. And Arsenal are back back in the top four. So they're going to be looking to maintain that for this time around. And then we've got Crystal Palace versus Manchester United. That's going to be a tough match for United away from home against Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace are, are on the back of a 4-1 win away from home against Leicester and United are on the back of a draw against Liverpool, but a very entertaining draw and a very um, encouraging draw. But the only problem is United had so many injuries from that match, and it's going to be interesting to see who they're able to line up for the match. 
And then over to the Copa del Rey, we've got the Copa del Rey semifinals between Real Madrid and Barcelona. And the first leg ended 1-1. And this one is going to be played at the Santiago Bernabeu. So Madrid should be fancying their chances. It's going to be an interesting and entertaining match. I'm really looking forward to it. And then the second match is going to be between Valencia and Real Betis. And that has a 2-2 aggregate. So I think that's all I've got for today. It's good to talk to you guys once again. And um, I'm definitely going to come back later in the week to talk about these matches, to talk about the, the results from the midweek games and to look forward to the weekend's matches. So, guys, take care. Have a good week. Thanks for listening. As usual, you can catch me on social media on Twitter at DKBallot and on Instagram at DBallot. Thanks for listening and have a good week. Bye-bye.